With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to another edition of the Wolverine.com TV podcast. Doug Skeen. I know you're going to make fun of this, man. I can't help but laugh because I'm, I'm trying to think about how I'm going to be directing traffic here. And, you know, uh, flight 1040, you're clear for a landing. So, yeah, you, you look like a professional air traffic controller. <laughs> it is what it is, man. So, um, welcome on in, though. This is Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman. This is our live show looking back at the Colorado state game and uh, some interesting subplots coming to light here skiing. And uh, first things first though, overall impressions. I know you watched the game again this morning and the offensive line, Ryan Hayes did not play at left tackle precautionary from what we heard folks. So nothing really to be concerned about there at the end of the game though, you had Trevor Keegan playing left tackle, which I yeah. thought was interesting because Carson Barnhart goes down with an ankle injury. Don't know how serious that is, but you know what? You have six offensive linemen, you're down two. So now you've got a young guy in Gio Elhadi playing at guard. I'm going to ask you about him, Skeener. And then uh, Keegan at left tackle, but it was leaky at times. Uh, and overall, I wrote it certainly, you know, if you're if you are defending your Joe Moore award, uh, you know what? It wasn't a great start. You still ran for 234 yards, but some room for improvement. Well, first of all, the positives, right, Ballas? They scored a ton of points, uh, yeah. over 200 yards of rushing. Um for the most part, protection was good. The ball went out of there pretty efficiently, but no doubt week one, there was definitely some room for improvement. I saw some quarterbacks getting some pressure. I saw a sack, uh, albeit that was uh, one time, certainly with the young young offensive tackle there at the right side who gave up a short edge. Uh, Keegan at left tackle clearly had a little, little issue with the spacing. Left guard is not left tackle from experience. I can tell you there's a world of difference over there, so – you know, again, it's week one. These things are expected. They're normal. Of course, our expectations coming off of last year with all the returning starters in this offensive line are sky high. So, again, the, the rules don't change, right, Ballas? The, the expectations. No one touches the quarterback ever. You don't pressure the quarterback, and, you know, you try to run for 150, 200 yards of rushing every week. Those are the expectations. Those are the standards. And Michigan's offensive line, I think, will get there and probably have a better performance next week. But – all, all things considered, you know, I give the offensive line a B-plus kind of grade because my standards are high from the way I was coached. But 
uh, all for not. You got to get these guys healthy. It sucks that Barnhard went down with the ankle injury, but this is what you do. You shift them around. Al Hadi uh, had the the young guard. Al Hadi came in there, and I thought he did a nice job at left guard. You get thrown into the mix, you got to go. So that's what he did. Maybe we were a little naive in thinking I was watching the right tackle, Trent A. Jones, in his first start. And you know what? Andrew Stuber did a hell of a job out there when he was in. And yeah. I think we kind of take that for granted that, hey, you got a guy coming in, replacing a guy who played a lot of football here. Uh, even if maybe uh, Stuber's best position was guard, he did a heck of a job at right tackle. So, And yeah. Trent is going to get better. But yeah. there were times out there, it reminded me a little bit of a, of a Trezell Jenkins there early on in his career where he gave up that edge a little bit and uh, you you got to flush that out. You got to give your quarterback time to be able to step up in that pocket. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about small stuff here. Mm-hmm. I, I, the way Trentay comes out of his 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 stance, I mean, he's squared up and his run blocking. I liked a lot of that. There was very little for me to point out and criticize. Of course, there's a few things you can always point to, but the overall run blocking stuff with his combos, with his tight end and his guard and his one on ones that he had in there. I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to be a really solid right tackle. But there was the one play that stood out in a couple pass protections where he gave up a little bit of a soft outside edge, got a little bit bent in the waist a little bit, got out of position. You know, your nose goes out forward over your toes, and you lose the athleticism that he has, and that's absolutely fixable. I would I would look for a dramatic improvement in week two, and then it just continues on to the end of the season. But, you know, it's week one. Practice is not game speed, and, and Colorado State had a good defensive lineman. They were moving around. The guy could make a pass rush, and he made yep. a couple moves and got to the quarterback. Yeah, he did. So I was watching Olu Olu Atimi at center early. You know what? You've got you've kind of rubbed off on me here. Everybody's watching the backs and the receivers and stuff. And I wanted to see this guy in his first couple snaps. And he was out there blowing people up. And there was one. There was something. There was a time that you were always begging guys like Mike and Wenu, hey, finish your blocks and stuff like that. Uh, Olu Olu Atimi gets out there. He gets to the second level. And then not only does he get to the linebacker, but he absolutely buries him a couple of times. I was very impressed. Uh, a with the center and quarterback exchanges be with the calls that he made and see with the way that the aggression that he plays with uh, and the nonstop energy to the whistle. Yeah. So boy, what a luxury Michigan has found themselves luxurious position here because Andrew Vistardis, uh second team, all big 10 last year made some really good progress and was a great center for Michigan last year on that team. And here we are, you know, an all American falls in your lap and, and just watching him play. Just again, I am a, I'm a big follower of the body language ballast. So guy comes to the line, he's familiar, he's got his hand down, he's pointing out the Mike linebacker, he's communicating. He looks like a dude who's played three or four years for Michigan, not this, you know, his first game ever. So I'm like, man, this is this is the benefit of the transfer portal, right? Michigan has benefited greatly from having this guy step in because he's a very good player in there. And I look for him to have a big year. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, he was, he's a great guy too. And it's amazing that you said that because I think it was one of the offensive coordinators. I think it was Sharon Moore said, this guy feels like he's been here for three or four years. And that was back in the spring. So they certainly recruited the right guy. And if you go to do the transfer portal, right, you know what, it doesn't have to affect your culture. You look at Nebraska, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, with some of these guys, is it going to be one of those things that disrupts your team? Is it going to help your team? Clearly it can help your team if you get the right guys into your culture. And he certainly is that Zach Zinner, you're, thoughts on him did you watch him pretty closely yeah yeah so i watched you know the the more the more positive plays i watched him again to see what happened and why and michigan here we go again right and no big surprise blocking down on one side of the offensive line pulling one or two guys around to the other edge a lot of times it's two 
first guy takes the kick block. Second guy's going up inside for that front side linebacker, first opposite color. Zinter's getting around the corner. He's getting to the edge, inside number. So, you know, again, as advertised, Zinter's, uh, you know, one of the better offensive linemen that Michigan has. I think it's a very good group. Zinter's obviously part of that. And, um, again, an important part, we got to keep all these guys healthy. It concerns me that the left tackle didn't play. If it's per- precautionary, okay. I look forward to seeing the uh, the left tackle, Hayes, in there. Not that Barnhart didn't do a good job, but obviously Hayes was the starter for a reason. Yeah. But uh, Zinter, yeah, another one that I like watching because him and Keegan, you know, it's, you know, year two of this group, right? And, and again, we talked about at the end of last year, the body language, the swagger, the confidence. And yesterday they showed – a lot of that already, right? And this is just a familiarity of guys that are comfortable with what plays are being called. They know what to look for. They know their pull paths. They know how to combo block together. This is an advanced state of of, of progress for this unit. And if you're an offensive line coach, like Coach Moore there and the other coaches, boy, any coach in America would love to have a group like this because, you know, they're not young. They're not inexperienced. They got a lot of football underneath their – their belt there and it shows and even though they weren't perfect in week one and they've got things to fix but it's like oh yeah you know i'm watching this i'm going yeah that wasn't perfect but yeah they're gonna get this fixed i don't worry about that yeah and a good start so at geo let's go back to geo for a second were you watching the footwork what did you like about him because his first taste of significant action and a young guy in there man he's not one of those guys like you that waited two three years for his yeah. turn he's kind yeah. of thrown into the fire out there yeah and i thought he did a good job mm-hmm. I know, the, the kid's effort was really good i saw him downfield several times you know hustling downfield so the energy was good looked comfortable again honestly ballas I, I was i was i watched the game and i'm watching the running plays i'm thinking yeah they may have ran eight different plays on the ground there yesterday. I'm sure they, they ran more than eight, but uh-huh. it looked like about eight basic concepts. So that's good for a guy who's in seeing his first significant action. Gives him confidence because he, he doesn't have to do a whole lot of things, just do a few things really, really good. A couple times he got caught high, right? His pads are a little bit high, and he's got no leverage, and he's got no push, and he's turned his shoulders to the sideline. That's all normal stuff. You and I have talked about that, but there certainly was enough effort and enough push that he got in there looked pretty comfortable for a dude who got thrown in unexpectedly. That's a difficult situation for anyone. I don't care who you are, even though it's Colorado State. It tossed you in the game. You weren't expecting to go in there and play when you came out of that tunnel. And I thought he did a nice job in there. Yeah, I did too. One second. American 420, you're clear to land. American 420. Okay. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It's going to, you know what? It's a good thing it wasn't a manscape to read in front of that tour. We might not have gotten through this one. So, all right. This is goofy. Uh, you look great. Hey, you look great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. So, uh, let's talk about the backs, man. I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, everybody told us at the beginning of the year they were going to miss Hassan Haskins. And, yes, this guy was an outstanding back. And the the broken tackles and some of the things that he did and, and making big plays when there was nothing there. I thought Blake Corum did that at times yesterday in a different way with his feet in the hole. You know, he's got unbelievable feet like Mike Hart, his yep. coach. But uh, you could tell that it was certainly a little bit different. And Donovan Edwards, we're going to need to see a little more patience at times from him, I think. And I think he's going to be a great back. There's no question. But those questions about these guys running between the tackles, uh, I think, is still there. And to me, uh, yeah, they did miss Haskins a little bit. And I think uh, and they might continue to miss him uh, throughout the year. Well, of course, I, I would agree yeah. with that to, to, to a point, Ballas. Mm-hmm. But I, there was a play, I think it was as of the second quarter, one of the 
red zone possessions that Michigan had. Donovan Edwards put his shoulder down and dragged a linebacker three or four yards. Yeah. And it made me think of what you and I talked about several times. It's like, who, who who's going to replace that grind yardage that Haskins provided last year? And I thought Ed, Edwards was like, okay, this is this is the first time through, and this is you know, this is something that this guy's got to develop within his game. And I thought we showed, you know, he showed flashes of that. Yes, he certainly got the physical capabilities to do so. And I thought we saw some of that yesterday. Corum is a different style back. He's got a little more patience, and I like the way he developed or, or allowed his blocking to develop on a lot of that counter stuff, waiting for that first pulling lineman to kick that edge guy waiting for his second lineman to get his hips turned up into the into the into the hole and go find that front side linebacker. There was a couple of big plays plus 10 yards that he had running the football, being patient. And then the other thing that's, you know, it's Mike Hart 101, always falling forward. Corum is yep. always falling forward and that counts for a lot. Yeah, and Mike Hart used to do that with the best of them, getting yep. uh, three yards out of one and everything else. So, and Donovan Edwards has his highest been post working there, if you can see it in that picture <laughs> there. So that's pretty sweet. You got to yeah. love it when you see that. So yeah. uh, we're going to see a lot more of him out of the backfield too. Uh, that takes us uh, as a receiver out of the backfield. And let's take that takes us to the quarterbacks here. And obviously this is the the big discussion yeah. point today. And the first thing, and, the, and first of all, the biggest upset of the the weekend was that you actually won staff picks. So congratulations. I think that ends. I was, I was that close. You were. Right? Yeah. Eight points that, off. 55, 10. I think I picked something like that. Yeah, it was close, but uh, I think it was 52 to 14, but regardless, you were only off by like eight points. And so congratulations. Yeah. I think that ends like a 36 game losing streak. So nice yeah. job. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. And the, the biggest disappointment for me, uh, and I'm going to come out and say it was the, the body language and the reaction from Cade McNamara. You're captain uh, after the game in that press conference uh, you could tell you know you win 51 to 7 you did a lot of good things on offense and uh, it was disappointing that he couldn't really appreciate it because he was a little bit concerned about the quarterback competition which as a captain you can't let that affect you and I said this skiing Heading into the season, I said it wouldn't surprise at all if J.J. McCarthy came up and took the job. He had a great a great quarter on Saturday. There's no question about it. And he looked the part. The offense ran better when he was in there. And I said, your, your job as a captain, because everybody had that concern. Hey, if your quarterback is a captain and he's a backup, how's that going to work? And I said, well, it's going to work fine as long as your quarterback understands he's your captain and whatever happens, happens. So, But he did not handle that very well, in my opinion. Your thoughts on that reaction from him in the postgame? Well, my first thoughts are this is still a young man mm -hmm. and a uh, young man who's obviously worked very hard. He looks physically thicker. His neck, it's like he's put on some weight, probably some strength. The kid's obviously worked hard. And he's, as he said, he thought he had the best camp that he's had since being at Michigan, prepared himself and thought that he'd done everything to earn the right to be called a starter. And Coach Harbaugh had a different idea because he's got a different talent in uh, J.J. in there. I still think McNamara is a really good player. Uh, clearly, it was not pretty from, from the connections with his receivers. I thought some of the drops and some of the inefficiencies in the passing game looked like clearly were hit on him with some, some poorly thrown balls. Others, you know, there was one to Ronnie Bell, hit him right in the face, and, you know, Ronnie just dropped it. Um, so some of that stuff not his. I think there was an incompletion early in the game where – it looked like maybe a receiver broke in a direction that the quarterback wasn't expecting. That went for an incomplete. That might have been a third down. Yep. And so there was a little bit of clunkiness, obviously, between McNamara and his wide receivers on passing downs. 
Uh, as far as the post game goes and that question, you know, I, I feel for the guy because he's in a tough spot and he feels like he did everything he possibly could. And he was a little taken aback. Uh, I appreciate the candor. And I think your point's valid. If your teammates elected you captain of the football team, it's not about you. And in that moment, he was asked a question about how he felt and he answered the question. But he also said, hey, this is the, this is the decision that coach made. I'm here to compete and do whatever I need to to do to win and play this this position for this team and i will do that uh, i'm paraphrasing of course but that's yeah. that's what i heard him say which is exactly what he has to do and if this if if this thing turns out where jj outplays him and jim feels like jj gives the team the best chance to go on and win a championship then Cade mcnamara is going to have to do his best drew bledsoe impression from way back when when drew bledsoe had to sit on a team that he was basically the captain of and watched Tom Brady go and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And you got to be a pro. And I would expect that, that Cade will do that. Um, but I just, th- I feel for the guy cause he's in a tough spot. He's done everything he's been asked to do and he still hasn't been named this captain. It's, you know, as I was watching that, that expression on his face and as he was answering it and just the reality of the business side of college football, I think, you know, we look at the NFL and go back to the Bledsoe Brady story, right? Bill Belichick just made a decision and it was a, it was a shocking decision for that, that Patriot locker room at that time. And for NFL fans, oh my gosh, because Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback and he made a change. And this is the realities of college football nowadays with the money that's involved and the pressure to win and the pressure to perform and win championships all the way up to the head coach. You know, Jim's going to have to make a tough decision, and one of these guys is not going to be happy, and I won't be surprised at all if one of these guys is in the transfer portal by January. And this is just the realities of college football. Yeah, and Cade McNamara is a senior anyway, so he's, you know what, he still has two years of eligibility after this, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know what, hey, I'm a senior, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere else, and, you know, depending on what happens with the J.J. McCarthy thing. So uh, there's, it's clear, though, however, uh, that he was miffed by it and th- that the pressure got to him. And listening to John Jansen and Doug Karsh on the radio broadcast, they said, you know what, he looks tight. And somebody, could, one of my buddies said it really – he kind of compared it to a pitcher who is gripping the ball too hard. And you could sense that he's feeling the pressure here because he's got yeah. a guy right behind him who's extremely talented and yeah. frankly brings a skill set to the <laughs> offense that really opens things up the way he runs. Uh, number one, yeah. you know what? Uh, you can see it now. He is not. Uh, here's the funny part about it. He didn't take his shots downfield either. And that's what everybody says. You know, oh, this is what we can do in this offense. If J.J. McCarthy's in there, he was checking down, too, and he was making great plays. Yeah. He had a check down to the tight end, Colston Loveland, who, by the yeah. way, trucked about three guys. That kid, that true freshman is going to be a stud. Uh, we'll talk about tight end blocking here in a minute, too. Uh, he had another check down, but then he also made a throw across the field to A.J. Henning that Cade McNamara cannot make. OK, it was a six yard pass on the out where it got there. Boom, just like that. And even another one in the flat. You know what? If you're waiting for the ball, waiting for the ball, which is kind of the case sometimes with McNamara. And I'm not again, I'm not ripping on the kid because as everybody knows, I give him more than uh, a ton of credit for what he did last year and everything that he accomplished last year and everything that Michigan accomplished last year, regardless of what the idiots say about it. You know, they've been doing it in spite of him. Uh, he played a big part in that. But it's just a fact that defenses don't have as much time to close when that ball gets there quicker uh, and you have more of a playbook to work with. And in, in my opinion, if McCarthy continues to play like he did yesterday, he's going to be the guy. But there's still a ways to go. Yeah, I, 
that's all fair stuff, Ballas. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier in this, in your commentary there about, about Cade playing tight and Jansen and Karsh were talking about the same thing. I was, I was, as I was watching the game and, and you can see some of the frustrations with some of the incompletions and maybe the misdirection or whatever it was on a, on a route with his receiver. I, it brought me back to, I remember playing and, and when you're out there in the field and, and you get into game weeks, you know, the next day you have film review and you get graded on your performance and each play that you, that you participate out there on the field, you get a grade sheet, and I'm assuming it's somewhat similar today, all these years later. You get a grade sheet for each snap you're on the field, and it's the play name, you know, a plus or a minus, right? That is how you are graded. It's not a, well, you did okay here, sort of okay there. You either did a positive or a negative on your on your grade for that particular play, and then a coach would make a comment, right? Les Miles would make a comment about, you know, maybe an effort or your technique or something or skiing uh, you suck yeah well that was <laughs> he would say out loud on this particular one particular okay. play but i remember my point here is that th there were plays on the field and there plenty, guys had plenty of them yesterday where you clearly didn't do all that great and and now these guys can look up at the video screen and watch the replay and you just know oh man that one's gonna be a negative on the grade sheet and as i was watching mcnamara thinking of him in this tight situation with this other guy right on his backside, pressing for the starting role, every incompletion, every play that's not perfect. Is he wondering? Is he thinking, oh, there's a negative on my grade sheet. There's, there goes my chances just got reduced by being the starter for the whole season because of that play. And that's what playing tight actually feels like. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to make a mistake, but I'm going to bounce back. I got this. And you just release that worry off of a player's shoulders I think there's a lot of legitimacy to Karsh and, and John's assessment that he looks like he's playing tight, and that sucks for the player. Yeah. But again, Jim Harbaugh's got a job to do. He's got two outstanding quarterbacks here. He's got to put the best one on the field, and this is just the cold reality of high-level college football. You either perform or you don't, and you mentioned it earlier. Kate is a Big Ten champion quarterback and led this team to some place that Michigan hadn't been in just shy of 20 years. But as I've said on these podcasts and on our on our other uh, years of doing this, Ballas, that was last year. That that's a nice story. It's a great memory that'll never be taken away. But that was last year. You got to do it all again this year, and maybe even better. And you are not entitled to anything. It doesn't matter what happened. In, I mean, yeah, camp matters as far as the first few starts. But mm -hmm. yeah, did I win the job? Maybe you did. But you know what? When you've got competition and it's a meritocracy, like Jim Harbaugh said, mm -hmm. so then flat out 100% the best guy is going to supposed to play. And yep. if that's McCarthy, then that is McCarthy. And somebody made a great point. They said, Hey, I'd love to see him sling it 25 times. We were actually at, uh, we were celebrating Karsh's there it is right there. Let's I'd like to see JJ Chuck it around 25 times. And we were talking to some people yep. close to the program and they said, Hey, when JJ does chuck it at times in practice, you know what? There have been some turnovers, so he's got to be careful with the ball. And in my strong opinion, that is really the one thing that has prevented him from getting over the hump because you cannot turn the ball over. You go back to Boyd Carr, you go back to Gary Moeller, any of these guys, the one the one statistic that is going to determine whether or not you win ball games most of the time is if you win that, if, assuming everything else is equal, is if you turn the ball over, you're probably going to lose. So that is where he needs to improve apparently in practice. But let's see what happens and let's give him some live action. It's not going to mean much against Hawaii, but the more we see of him and the more opportunities he gets to see more defenses, the better he's going to become.
Well, you talked about the practice snaps, right? And and I've said it now for a, going back to last year again with McCarthy. One of the best things he did last year as a championship quarterback was not force it, get rid of the football, get the get the offense to the sideline and punt. That's okay sometimes. That's okay. And I think based on the small example of yesterday's game only, if J.J. can mix that in, and, and if you just take yesterday's game only, I would say J.J. is going to be your quarterback here in three weeks. If he can control that temptation to force things and not get stupid with the football. You mentioned all the coaches, the previous coaches over the decades at Michigan. Uh, if you turn the ball over as a running back or you fumble as a wide out or a quarterback, you throw interceptions, you got about one chance. You turn the ball over once, you're going to get an earful. You turn it over twice, you're done. See you on the sideline, you're out for the game. You may not even play next week. It was, of all the things offensively, you know, for a, for a ball carrier, um, that was that was like, boy, you just did not touch that uh, third rail of electricity because you were done. As for an offensive lineman or a guy who doesn't touch the ball, it was it was mental errors. Yeah. Um, you know, pre-snap penalties or you know, missed assignments that cause tackle for losses. You got about one chance. If we did it twice, you're on the sideline, someone else is in because the depth on the roster was that good. And then we're talking about the quarterback position now. The depth at that position between these two players is that good. So you call it playing tight. This is just the way uh, Cade's going to have to deal with it because he's got a guy in his heels. You better perform or you're going to go to the sidelines. So if, but it'll be a neutralizer ballast is my point here is that if JJ gets out there, gets a little frisky, starts pulling some Brett Favre moves and tries forcing it, <laughs> it's not going to go well. And Cade McNamara will be your quarterback because you can't, you cannot turn the ball over. And the irony of it is what impressed me the most about Matt McCarthy was the checkdowns where he had two guys instead of he's looking downfield. And of course, you know what? You're this young guy and you want to prove yourself and you want to sling it and you got the receivers to do it. Frankly, there weren't a whole lot of open receivers on Saturday. And that's something else we'll talk about here too. It seems a little bit too labored and maybe they need to work on these route trees. I hate using that because it seems like we talk about it all the time. But when you look at other offenses around the country and you see guys wide you know, running open or schemed Pick open route. or whatever. Right. It's things Pick like route. that. Exactly. There are guys out there that, that, you know what, they should be able to throw the ball easier than they have, whether it's McCarthy or McNamara. But those two plays that he made, those checkdowns, went for huge gains, and they were the right plays and the right reads. And that's what I'm thinking, wow, you know what, if all things else are equal, even if McCarthy's not looking downfield and slinging it, yeah. A, he brings that uh, ability to run as long as he stays healthy. Somebody else made a great point about he needs to get down and slide on those. Don't need to put your shoulder down, son. You know, uh, yeah. live to play another day. Number yeah. two, uh, then he's doing that checking down and taking what the defense is giving him. Then uh, then he's going to be that guy. So those are things to watch here going forward. But uh, the first big test, Skeen, really for these guys is going to be Iowa, I think, in week five. We'll see what happens with Maryland there generally not very good defensively, but, and before everybody says, Oh, Iowa, and they struggled, you know, they put up seven points. I don't know if you saw that two safeties and a field goal, Doesn't but that matter. defense is solid Doesn't and they matter. thrive on turnovers. So that is going to be where these guys are going to play. And I mean, that's really what's kind of what's going to determine it. Right. It, it's it, listen, week one, every year, Ballas, people are super, super high. Oh, we scored. It's 51 to seven. We beat Colorado state. Look at how good we are. Or you struggle. I mean, if you're an Ohio State fan, yeah, you won the game, but you won close. Ooh, let's get nervous. Notre Dame fans are probably ready to jump off the bridge. 
it's week one. No one's going to care about this in five weeks from now. By the time we get to Iowa City, that is going to be absolutely the biggest challenge of the season. Michigan never goes there and has an easy way of things. It will be no different this year. So I don't care what Iowa did or didn't do yesterday. I do not care. They will be tough as nails when we get there. Yeah, and that defense played well. And granted, it was only, I think, South Dakota State, you know, held them to field goal. But uh, two safeties and a field goal, uh, unbelievable way to get to seven points. So, uh, and it was, it was, it was ugly. There's no question about it. So, who are you rooting for that Ohio State Notre Dame game, Skeen? Ohio State. I told all my coworkers, I know this is freaking people out all week long. <laughs> hey, the two teams you hate the most. I'm like, it's not really close. I really, I mean, I certainly dislike Ohio State, but. I would really like it if Notre Dame got blasted off the field. So I was looking for a big Buckeye win last night and they won, which just makes me happy. But I, I just want, you know, I just Notre Dame, you know, Ballas, how many times I got to say it, Notre Dame can just vanish for all I care. I just don't need them. I don't want them. And I was glad Ohio State won because quite honestly, I, you know, I think it's good for the Big Ten to see Ohio State at the top with us up there at the top with them. And when hopefully we beat Ohio State, it means all the much more. And so um, I was absolutely wanting to see Ohio State win. Yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame had to get knocked off. They don't have a, a real tough schedule here. So, uh, you know what, if you're talking about national picture, next year it's going to be 12 teams. We'll talk about that in a minute uh, in a playoff. But, uh, you know what, you needed them to lose. And Michigan's going to have a chance to take care of business against the Buckeyes mm -hmm. down the road. So yeah. I was not overly impressed with Ohio State's offense. I thought Notre Dame's defense did a really nice job. Yeah. Except in the second half, Ohio State uh, – made some adjustments and did some nice things, but you yeah. know what? They look human, buddy. It appears that Ohio state's offense and defensive lines still may be the question mark. Um, yeah. So clearly they have, they have talent, but a quarterback was running for his life a little bit and the defensive line, not necessarily, uh, you know, over imposing and, and super dominant either. But again, like I just said, for our game week one, doesn't matter. It's going to look totally different yep. in about 12 weeks from now, and it's going to feel totally different. So let's not get too excited with week one. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How much of the Michigan defense did you watch? I'm assuming you watched the whole game. Yeah. So yeah, that was, defensive line. Yeah. Uh, a couple things, uh, the number, the sheer number of guys that they were able to bring in there and roll them out yeah. there. And these guys, when they got in there, they were fresh. It was 90 something degrees. It had to be about a hundred degrees on the field. They yeah. bring them in there like hockey lines. These guys were swarming. They were uh, chomping at the bit. They looked like Jefferson from fast times at Ridgemont high there at linebacker, you know, waiting to, to make a play for the old timers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not Jefferson Hutch. I don't know. That's actually, uh, who is that? I can't even see the number. So, but uh, I got to tell you, yeah, they played a uh, they played one heck of a game, I thought, and yeah. really uh, great job by Jesse Minner. When they went tempo, and this was interesting, not caught off guard at all in substitutions uh, for a first game, like Jim Harbaugh said, really clean, and those guys were swarming. Yeah, so the tempo thing, clearly uh, Colorado State thought they would see if they could have success like Michigan State did against us last year, see if that defense can get caught a little bit flat-footed. It did not. I think that was the highlight of the game. The offense, again – Really good rushing yards, lots of points on the board, um, you know, all fine and great. But the exciting part of the game, I thought, was that defensive line. The Michigan's defensive line, you know, I was very curious to see how things would go specifically from the defensive end position. And I was pleasantly surprised. Again, not going to get too excited. It's week one, Colorado State. But they played with a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. They were bringing heat off the edge. They had a good rotation. The interior, Mozzie Smith looks like he's going to have a heck of a year. 
And even McGregor off the edge had a couple nice moves. And I'm like, all right, that kid looks yes. better than he did a year ago for sure. So this group with a couple new faces in there and a little chip on their shoulder that we've been hearing about. And you hear that from everybody, right? The disrespect, oh, we're the no-name defense, and we want to prove ourselves without Hutch and Ojabo. Whatever it takes, fellas, good for you. Week one looked really good. It's gonna We're going to need a lot more of that as the season goes on, obviously. But I think for me, watching, of course, I'm watching inside the box all day long. Yeah. That was the most exciting part. I thought the defensive line did a heck of a job. 100%. Coming from all angles. Uh, and they moved him around. Chris Jenkins was playing on the edge at times. Rayshon Benny was playing on the edge at times in a three-man front. So, uh, And there's Iabi Anoma. First snap, he gets a sack. So, you know, <laughs> he, like, he went through two blockers on he that. He did. He went right like, through. Hey. Who's that guy? Where'd he come from? <laughs> yeah, transfer portal. And he played for Biff Pogey at St. Francis in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, this is his fourth school. You know what? They said, we're going to take a, a chance on him. And they they said he fit right in in camp. And he comes yeah. out there in his first snap as a sack. So, But they had all kinds of guys. Derek Moore, true freshman, coming off the edge was outstanding. So Mason yeah. Graham, again, this is a guy. And I've said, you know what? One way to get generate pass rush, it doesn't always have to be from the edges, is collapsing that pocket. Mason Graham took the center and put him on in his quarterback's lap one time yeah. and that forced a sack he didn't get credit for the sack now he got credit for another a half sack when he ran through a couple guys the next time but that fan that guy was fantastic so yeah, you I gotta see. love that from a true freshman yeah well i see ken's got the kind of seven yes. sacks in the first game looks pretty for, yeah it does yep. it absolutely does and that's a great comment ken thank you um but your freshman there, Graham, reminded me of, of a couple other interior defensive linemen that Michigan has had over the years that are just workhorses, never going to stop, going to put you, going to get underneath you. That kid, I don't know what the kid's strength is, but he don't look like a freshman from just uh, pure strength and athleticism. And I'm thinking this kid's in here pushing dudes around that have played a lot more football at this level than him. Again, it's Colorado State. I get it. But. And I remember what I was like as a true freshman, and I wouldn't have been able to do that. And and, yeah. and so hats off to that kid. A lot of promising stuff out there, Ballas, a lot of good things to come. But, again, that rotation and some new faces in there, guys that are eager to be the next Hutch and Ajabo combo, whatever that looks like, and it looked like they were having fun while they did it. These are all as good of indicators as you could ask for in week one. Yeah, and again, week one against a weak opponent. Somebody mentioned Chris Jenkins, too, and I forgot to mention him. I can't wait to go back and watch the film. Somebody said that he was one of the better defensive linemen out there, and uh, you know what? He added some weight. It was interesting. Oluwatimi said in uh, last week, he said, you know what? I didn't think much of him in the spring. He looked like a little fella, and every time we saw him after that, he had a protein bar in his hand. He gained about 15 pounds. He was got up to about 290. He's got to maintain that weight, but he is going to be uh, a force, and those guys, they play so well together, and you can you can sense it that these guys like each other. They like playing with each other. So, um, and uh, and I can't wait. And Junior Colson had a great game, first yeah. game in there at linebacker. He's, I mean, he looked like the real deal. So, but they yeah. fly to the ball scheme. I like the team speed number yep. two. Uh, I thought that was and all these hats to the ball. You didn't see any lollygagging. Yep. And uh, <laughs> somebody said somebody paid four ninety nine to post a message here. The port's <laughs> only a buck. You know what? Four ninety nine's Doug Skeen's surcharge. So <laughs> the extra three ninety nine is to is to get talent like him uh, here. Loretto, uh, CJ Stroud looked average. Did he just lose the Heisman? No. Uh, 
no, I don't think yeah. so either. He's yeah, going to so have plenty of opportunities to yeah. pad stats against defenses yeah. that are not they as the, good. They as won the game. game. They won Let's the be game. honest. And Notre Dame uh, has some good players on defense too. They're probably underrated. You know what? Those name programs, they go in there expecting to win or at least compete. And uh, no moral victories, right, at Notre Dame, Skeen? Uh, you know. <laughs> sure. Sorry, man. I can't help myself. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's. I'm glad Ohio State won. And no, Straub did not lose the Heisman in week one. He's obviously got a good player. And, and again, it's week one. Yep. And I, you know, whether you're Ohio State or Michigan, Michigan State, doesn't matter, Notre Dame, practice cannot be replicated from the, that Saturday night, Saturday afternoon speed, game speed, the pressure, the the speed, the, 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 the tempo of the, of the plays coming in, all the thought processes. It's just not the same out there on game day because in practice you can – you know, you can make a mistake or two and they can stop the clock and you have coaching moments and all that. It's just not the same. And it's no different for anybody else. So Ohio State's going to be just fine as this season goes on. And if Notre Dame goes on to have a winless season, then that'll be great. We can we can celebrate that all year long. And I hope they do lose every single game. <laughs> Yeah, angry hate mail can go to a uh, Doug Skeen. We'll get we'll put his address up here in a minute. I think Hutch just posted Sean Clifford won the Heisman in week one. I don't think so, but that guy takes a beating and I give him credit for standing in there because he gets hit more than just about anybody. You know what? For a 55 year old guy now too, Clifford is, you know what? That's gotta be tough. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the tight end blocking in the tight ends. There's so much depth uh, out there. Uh, there were a couple of times that I thought they lost the edge or, or they didn't, uh, Early on, especially on one TFL, it looked like it was on yeah. a tight end. It might have been Carter Seltzer. I don't want to play. Well, there was – I know that Eric yeah. Eric Gall had one. Okay. It was a zone block left. Eric Gall was playing the right tight end. Michigan's offense was moving left. They were moving to the north end zone. And uh, I had to rewind that one, Bows, because I think – you know when we watch the film, right? Anytime you see a guy walk up to a tackle that happens right in front of him and they go like this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the O blank clap, yeah. right? Dang it. And I thought, yep, oh, that's going to be a negative on the grade sheet. And he just got beat across his face, right? Yeah. And for a for a guy with his experience, you know, that can't happen. You can't let a dude cross your face. And what happened on that particular play was somebody got beat on the front side. So Coram had to plant his left foot and try to cut back. And there was nowhere to go because way back over on the right side of that offense, Eric All missed his backside cutoff block. And that dude made the tackle for no gain, maybe even a loss. And those tiny little things for a guy who's as good as all should be and will be can't happen. So, yeah. again, week one clunkiness, week one adjusting to real game speed, get that left foot going, get the eyeballs going, get that nose over into the armpit, Eric All, and let's go. He had a baby baby yesterday, which is a cool exactly. story. The kid, has, kid becomes a father and goes out and plays a college football game. Talk about growing up fast. Good for him. Happy for that young guy. He's gonna be a good player, Ballas. We know this. You just gotta clean up that little stuff and fix it. Yeah, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna write I'm gonna let that one go just because of that. Seven forty five in the morning. The guy was probably up all night. You know what? And you get into a game, you're thinking about your baby. The first time you see your kid. Remember the first time you saw your babies and you held your babies. And of course he's thinking about that. This guy's gonna be a great player. Plus had one heck of a catch, by the way. Took one off. Oh, that was a great catch. Unbelievable. I mean, you wanna talk about when I say labored. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. That is a, what, 20-yard gain or whatever it was. But, boy, that was it was well covered, mm -hmm. and he made a great catch, and his hands have improved dramatically. So, uh, And I will say this, though. Uh, the receivers do have to do a better job, too, of making some of those tough, tougher catches. Cornelius Johnson had a couple. One Somebody said, oh, one hit him in the knees. Well, you know what? Catch the ball anyway. If it's a little behind you, 
Yeah, I mean, the, that rule hasn't changed. If it right. touches your hands, catch the ball. Yep. That's the negative. On the positive side, that that first little touchdown pass, that swing pass out of the backfield there. Wow. Um, the the edge blocking by the wide receivers, A plus. Those yes. are those are helmet sticker blocks uh, for sure. And by the way, Ballas, I noticed this. How is it that some players on the Michigan football team have a whole helmet full of stickers already? And they haven't even played a game. You know what? Everybody gets a, everybody gets a trophy now. Didn't you know that? Even yeah, in practice, you get a sticker. You get a practice ticker for showing up. What's going on with that? I, I I thought you only got those in games, man. I must be getting really old. Somebody mentioned that actually on the message board going into the game, and I'm thinking, boy, that's going to be one that we'll see if Ski notices number oh, one. Oh, I knew it. Yeah, because those things were like gold, man. We would yeah. kill each other to get one of those, and I'm like, that dude's got about twenty on his helmet already. They didn't play. <laughs> Right. It was interesting to, to notice that. I think it's the first time that they've done that. So uh, yeah. we'll ask Jim Harbaugh about that tomorrow on Monday. So uh, you got a clunker of a game coming up at a night. Not only is it a night game, but it, it's a night game against Hawaii, who might be the worst team in FBS. So what do you hope to glean from that? Number one, you know what? When people were talking about it's going to be a one for one battle, how Cade McNamara does against Colorado State, how J.J. does against Hawaii. You know, then you're going to decide on the quarterback. I don't see that at all. I think this is going to continue. And yeah. you know what? You can't really tell a whole lot against a, a team like Hawaii. That's you know, it's like a JV team out there, frankly. Well, I think there's also people who are saying there's obviously there's a lot of emphasis put on the game performance by both of these quarterbacks, but practices count too, and the preparation and the work that they're doing off the field that we can't see certainly goes into Jim's decision as to who's going to ride this thing out as the starting quarterback, but. Uh, selfishly, can we just hit the fast forward button on these first three weeks of the season? Because next Saturday night is probably going to be a, a carbon copy of this thing. You know, it, it may, it may even be worse, uh, as far as the score spread goes. Um, you know, it just is what it is. A Michigan schedule is, is right now kind of soft. Uh, when you look at it, certainly September, there's no one really on this schedule that that's going to raise any eyebrows. Michigan should just check the box and before I know at the end of September and win another September national championship because Lord knows we've had enough of those around here. And then we get into October and into November and we find out what this team's really about when we get into some more significant opponents. So, you know, my expectations are the same as far as metrics goes. No tackles for losses. No one touches the quarterback. No turnovers. No stupid plays. Those are the things that you try to do when you know you're playing a lesser opponent and you know you're cleaning things up from week one. Those are the things I look for. You know, and obviously no missed assignments. When, when, when Kate said we played a clean game, yeah, I guess in some statistics he did, but clearly there are players that have some things to clean up. Yep. going into the Hawaii game, and I would expect to see that. Yeah, and I would expect to see a lot of the fours and the fives and guys getting time. Hopefully that game's over at halftime. You protect your starters. <laughs> Barnhart shouldn't be anywhere near that field, and, and Jim Harbaugh said, I think, you know, he's as tough as a $2 steak, he said, and he'll be out there. We got till 8 o'clock, but there is no reason for that kid to play. I want to see a lot of the the backups, and I do want to see, like one of the posters said here, I do want to see J.J. McCarthy air it out here a little bit and see the kind of decisions he makes, and I want to see more separation from those receivers because that is a very good receiving core. Let's see what these guys can do and, and work on that game. You've we know that they can run the ball and we know that they're going to be able to run the ball, but let's get some of these things in games when you're going to have to throw a little bit more. Uh, let's see what they can do. So I wanted to ask you real quick before we go about Mozzie Smith here. I saw him getting double teamed and triple teamed uh, a, how key is a guy like that? This guy is not going to rack up the stats, but uh, how does he keep from getting 
I guess, frustrated because he was talking about Oluwatimi, talking to two Oluwatimi about, you know, how to beat double teams and triple teams and stuff like that. And really, there's not a whole lot you can do, right, when you got two, three guys on you like that, but you're still doing your job. That is his job. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately for guys who play in the interior, either the nose or the zero over a three technique, when you're playing over the guards and centers, it's your job to keep that Mike linebacker clean. Um, and then when when a pair of offensive linemen are double teaming you and you can drop a shoulder and increase that thing and maybe change the direction of a running back, then that is an enormous, even though he didn't make the tackle, right? So if you can redirect a running back into an open and clean Mike linebacker who's standing there because you absorbed a double team and didn't let them to get clean up to the second level and didn't allow them to move you, that's a plus in the grade book all day long. And that's what interior defensive linemen are expected to do. The sacks or the tackles for losses, those are gravy. And then the other thing for him is whenever there is a one-on-one, he's got to win every single one of those. And just in the, watching the TV copy, the, the physical advances that he's made in the last year, and it's off the charts. I mean, this kid obviously is, is taking his game to a next level, and it's going to be fun to watch, but it's not going to get any easier as he performs and, and keeps causing problems for defenses. But – you know, the, the, the unwritten stats and the un, the unhighlighted or, or, you know, fat flash plays, highlight plays when, when you're doing those things and you're keeping guys off of your linebackers, that's, that's your job. And yeah. um, the best of them do it without any fanfare. It's like being an offensive lineman. Yeah, and you get helmet stickers in practice for them. You get Mozzie probably had a bunch. He's probably had, yeah. you know, with her handing them out in practice now, then yeah. and he's probably got a whole bunch of them. Th- this just in, Doug Skeen's going to petition for more helmet stickers for his collection. I know. Yeah, you, I still, just, you still have your old helmet, right? I just want helmet stickers. I just Can I just get some helmet stickers for all the stuff that I didn't practice? Right. And I can put them on my old helmet that's sitting at home, you know. It's yeah. like, hey, I didn't know those, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. So great stuff, Skeen. I appreciate your time as always. I can't believe how quickly 45 minutes went, man. I yeah. uh, love these live podcasts and uh, didn't say anything inappropriate. So kudos to you for that. So uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. And we will break this down. We are going to do our in the trenches here. We're still figuring things out here. So we want to get those up on Tuesday, break down some plays. Uh, last thing I want to ask you though, before we go, uh, one of the things that I thought, uh, you know what, part of it was the packages that they had out there against the run. But I thought that at times Colorado State was able to run the ball a little bit easier than I thought they would. Is that just a, a matter of per, the personnel on the field at, at that time? Or uh, do you still want to see what this team can do against a team that's going to line up and try to run right at them? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Now. Mm-hmm. Again, week one, I'm not putting too much weight into anything I saw yesterday. I know uh, on, on the flip side, again, I, I seriously think that Michigan was running about eight plays and, and, the, uh, the the Colorado State defense by the by the by the end of the second quarter certainly in the second half as soon as they saw pulling linemen that defense was flying to the direction that those linemen were pulling in yeah and Michigan was having a hard time doing things but this is what you do in these kind of games you say okay we're going in with this much of the playbook fellas and you need to just go execute and win your one on ones and I think that went both ways for the Michigan offense against the Colorado State defense who was figuring things out early in the game. And certainly for the Colorado State offense, you thought, okay, we can get a little something going here. And uh, there were some creases in there, but nothing that makes me go, oh, my God, I worry about this. I thought the Michigan defense played really well. Yeah, me too. It's going to be fun to watch. So, Skeen, appreciate it, man. We'll do it next week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be doing this every week, Sunday night at 7 o'clock, unless Doug has a golf game. But uh, you know what? With daylight savings ending or coming or whatever it is, (laughs) the days are getting shorter, my friend. But uh, appreciate your time, brother.
All right, go blue. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 